0: Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. So we are continuing in our sermon series called Silver Linings, and what we're doing over these next several weeks is that we're looking at all these places in the Old Testament where dark things happened to people, where bad things happened to people, and the silver lining that God showed them during that time. And today we're hearing the story about a woman and her mother-in-law, the young woman, uh, her name is Ruth. And this is uh, appropriate for us today, because it is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all you mothers and women. And we know that this can be uh, kind of a mixed bag for some of us. Uh, For some women out there who are not able to have children or have not had children yet, we know that sometimes this uh, day can bring some mixed emotions. And so we wanna make sure that um, you all feel affirmed, that you all understand um, that being a mother isn't simply about having biological children. Uh, but it's a way of operating and leading and guiding and supporting um, both your family, our community, our nation, and our world. Um, So happy Mother's Day to all of you who have children, who don't have children or don't have children yet. Uh, You are important, and God is using you to make our world a better place and to spread his gospel. So happy Mother's Day to all of you women out there. Well, before we jump into our sermon, I want us to do, uh, before we think about the scripture, I want to show you guys something uh, that I think is pretty cool, and this is gonna help us think about this story uh, about a woman named Ruth. So are you guys familiar with these things called mosaics? It's a big picture made up of a whole bunch of smaller, either uh, pieces of glass or stone, but some of them are even made up of other pictures. These are called photographic mosaics. And, uh, and so I wanna show you guys a picture, and, and I'm gonna expand this picture out until we see what the full picture is. So let's start with this. We see here um, this young lady. Maybe she's a mother, so happy Mother's Day to her. But this particular photo is just a woman. Uh, maybe something's blocking her face a little bit. We really don't know what's going on in this picture. But let's back out a little bit more. Okay, you can kind of see where she is. She's down in the bottom corner. There's actually a few of her down there. And we see some other pictures. Some are darker than others. Some are lighter than others. But do you guys have any guesses what this is yet? No? Let's back up a little bit more. There it is. It's an eye, right? So we have this photo mosaic, this, this big picture made up of all these smaller, tiny Pictures. Let's try this again. So here's a collection of a few pictures. We see uh, maybe some owls, there's some flamingos there, there's some other wildlife that I can't quite tell what it is, maybe some underwater wildlife. I see a duck right there. Well, let's back out a little bit. Okay, so now we see those owls, but now we also see some seals, some polar bears. We get some of the white color in there. We see more animals. Well, let's back out once again. The photo is of Jesus, made up of all this wildlife put together to make up a bigger picture. Well, our scripture today is from a book called Ruth, and it's about this young lady named Ruth. This is a kind of a traditional Christian portrait of. Ruth. And in our Bibles, Ruth is in the Old Testament and it's towards the beginning. Um, so in the Old Testament we have Genesis, that's the first book of the Bible. Then we have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And that tells a story of um, the creation of the world, of the creation of Israel as a people group, of their salvation and Exodus from Egypt and their establishment into uh, the promised land. And then we get into Joshua who actually is uh, the story of the leader who helped Israel get into the promised land. Then we get into this time called Judges. And this is kind of a tumultuous time in Israel's history. This is when they were a collection of clans. They weren't a kingdom yet. They were a collection of clans or tribes, and they had some disagreements, and they kind of fell away, and they were attracted by other gods in the area. And right after Judges is this little book called Ruth. And in my Bible, it takes up one and a half pages two pages of my Bible. It's a very short little book that's easy to miss. But this story is incredible. Because we hear about this woman who is redeemed by a family member, by somebody um, who the family that she's married into saves her and her mother-in-law. And what we're gonna find today is that Ruth's story is a little story, but it points to a much larger story. So we have the story of Ruth, but what it's gonna do, it's gonna point us to the story of Jesus. And we're gonna see how Ruth's story fits into the bigger picture. And how Ruth's story is actually a little story that looks a lot like the big story. And we start our story at the end, beginning in chapter four. This is the last chapter of the book of Ruth, and this is kind of the last section of this chapter. It says this, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And they came together, and the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Now, some context is going to be helpful. Earlier in the book of Ruth, back in chapter 1, it tells a story about a man and his wife named Naomi. They have two sons, and they move from Bethlehem, uh, which is in Judah in Israel, kind of the southern portion of the land of Israel, and they go to a place called Moab. And uh, Moab, the Moabites, they're not friendly with the Israelites. Uh, In fact, they have a lot of conflict and a lot of tension in their history. So he kind of moves into hostile territory because they're having some economic problems. So he moves into this land that isn't particularly friendly to Israelites, and they make their home there. And in the process, their two sons marry Moabite women, which is odd. Uh, That's a strange thing for an Israelite to do, to go to kind of the enemy camp, the enemy land, uh, the land that is not friendly, and somehow they marry into these families that live there. So we can kind of understand that this family uh, might have been in some dire straits. It would take a lot for a family to need to move into foreign territory, into hostile territory, and then actually feel like they need to uh, marry their sons out to these other Moabite families because uh, they they needed some kind of security. They needed to build relationships with the families that were there. So their sons ended up marrying these Moabite women, and one of these women is Ruth. Well, uh, before too long, the father, the patriarch of this family, dies. And soon after that, both of the sons die. And so that leaves Naomi, the mother-in-law, it leaves Ruth and it leaves the other brother's wife. Well, the other brother's wife, the other Moabite woman, she goes back to her family, but Ruth stays with Naomi. And this is where we get this uh, maybe familiar phrase, and Ruth tells Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you die, I will also die. I will be with you. So Ruth clings to Naomi, clings to her mother-in-law, so they were probably pretty close relationally, and they move back to Bethlehem, and they meet this man named Boaz, who is the patriarch's cousin, or something like that, maybe a nephew, we don't really know what's going on, but a family relation, and Boaz actually has the opportunity and takes the opportunity to marry Ruth and provide for Ruth a son. Because in this day, widows were not uh, given a lot of status. They were not treated particularly well. So it was very dangerous to be a widow. Really, your only option was to beg for food or to hope that another family member would take you into their household. So Boaz marries Ruth. And this is uh, what we read. Then the women, the women of Bethlehem, said to Naomi, the, the mother-in-law, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, without a redeemer, which is Boaz. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Now they're talking about the son that Ruth and Boaz had. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now there's a couple other uh, sentences at the end of this uh, chapter that we're not going to look at, but this last phrase is really important because... Ruth gives birth to Obed, who gives birth to Jesse, which you might recognize that name, who gives birth to David. And chances are you do recognize that name. And this is in fact, King David. So Ruth, This gentile woman, this Moabite woman, who the Moabites did not like the Israelites and vice versa. This Moabite woman marries into an Israelite family and then somehow, uh, by God's grace, ends up being the grandmother, the great-grandmother to David, King David. Arguably the most important individual in the Old Testament. This is an incredible story. And it's easy for us when we read this story to think, oh, it's a happy ending. What a wonderful, uh, serendipitous, it's almost like a movie that we might watch where things are rough, things are hard, but in the end, um, thank goodness, something changed where um, this woman's outlook on life, her approach to life is now changed because someone, a knight in shining armor, came and saved her. It's easy for us to read it that way. It's easy for us to read this as a story of, of how God's providence was including Gentiles into the story already even before Jesus because Ruth herself is mentioned in Jesus' genealogy. This story is important enough to the grand story of Jesus that it's included in the Gospels. It's easy for us to read it that way and yes, the story of Ruth is all of those things but it's not just those things. It's so much more. And so let's look at Ruth. I'm going to tell you her story from the beginning, and I'm going to tell it the way that Scripture tells it, not the way that our our minds where we watch movies might tell it, but the way that Scripture actually tells this story. You see, there was a man who went into, uh, moved to Moab because of economic issues and because of famine, and his sons ended up marrying these Moabite women, Ruth being one of them. And after the patriarch and the sons die, this leaves Ruth and Naomi fending for themselves. And this is the amazing thing about this story. In a patriarchal society, which Israel was when this story was written, um, in a patriarchal society, it's strange that two women would play important and vital and central roles in a story. And it's even strange that they would play a significantly positive role in these stories. You see, this story is not just about Ruth being saved by a knight in shining armor. This is a story of Ruth and Naomi's dogged uh, faithfulness to each other, their obedience and their care to one another. You see, Ruth told Naomi, she cleaved herself to her and said, Whatever, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. I will die with you. Where you are buried, I will be buried. Ruth is faithful to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And so they head to Bethlehem, to, Judea, to, to Judah. And they get there and they begin uh, to do this process that is, uh, would have been common or at least commonly understood uh, of widows caring for themselves or trying to find ways to care for themselves. And one of the ways is this, that uh, Ruth being the younger woman being able to do uh, physical labor, goes out into the field of a family member or somebody in the community And the people in the community by law, by Old Testament law, were required to leave the edges of their field available for widows and for the homeless and for the hungry to come and pick grain for themselves so that they can make their own bread. So it was kind of this built-in system, welfare system, where the farmers and the landowners were required to leave a portion out in the field for others who have need to uh, go and get it for themselves so they can have some sort of food. And so Ruth does this and she just happens to begin to pick in Boaz's field. And Boaz sees her, we, we don't really know why he was kind of immediately, um, uh, maybe attracted, isn't the right word, he was immediately interested in her. Maybe she was a beautiful young lady and he noticed that. Or maybe he just noticed a new face because there were other women, maybe other widows, maybe uh, other female family members who were out picking the grain, the, the excess grain. And so Boaz saw this new woman And he asked who she was and someone mentioned, hey, this is the Moabite woman who came with Naomi. And Boaz would have known at this point that Naomi is a relative, even if it's kind of a distance, twice removed kind of relative. This was his family member's widow and her daughter-in-law now that were in need of help. And so Boaz goes to Ruth. And he says, Ruth, why don't you just keep keep picking the grain here? Stay with my women. Uh, They'll help you out. Um, I have told my men not to bother you. Uh, Maybe again, maybe Ruth was uh, an attractive woman. And so Boaz knew that some of his workers would maybe harass her a little bit or uh, maybe, you know, seek her hand uh, for a relationship. And so he said, "I've, I've ordered my men not to bother you. Go ahead and pick your grain. Go ahead and get what you and Naomi need. I will make sure that you are taken care of. You just take what you need. Whatever you need, you may have it. And so, of course, this is good news for Ruth. Because back then, widows were not guaranteed a whole lot. They could not really own, um, until later, they could not own property. They could not own farms. They could not own land. They were really, um, they were at the goodwill of their community to care for them and especially in Naomi and Ruth's case where they have no kind of immediate family or no close family that they can rely on, this is a dangerous situation for these two women. And so Ruth, of course, is elated, that this, uh, this man named Boaz uh, uh, saw her and wants to make sure that she's taken care of because um, he's family, because he feels the obligation. This is Boaz really being a nice guy, really helping out where he feels like he can. And so Ruth goes back to Naomi with all this grain, and she says, Naomi, I met this man who was so generous and so helpful. His name is Boaz. And I I love this part of the story because Naomi immediately recognizes that Boaz is her husband's relative, which means that there are all these laws that can kick in where Boaz can take these women into his household and he um, he can father children with Ruth. And they're technically Ruth's husband's children. It's this complex law, but essentially says that a close family member can provide children for a widow um, if there's an allowance there to do that. So it's a way to protect the widow that she can have sons and children who can um, own property and run the businesses and do that kind of thing. It's a way to protect the widow. And so Naomi recognizes this. And so they actually hatch a plan, which is just fantastic, because they hatch a plan to not, not necessarily trick Boaz, but to woo Boaz into accepting Ruth as a wife, uh, accepting Ruth and Naomi into his household. So Ruth begins to pursue Boaz, which again... This is a patriarchal society, I love this story. It's about a a woman and her mother-in-law using the system, using the system to protect themselves. It's incredible. Uh, This is not anything, like anything else we would read in ancient uh, documents or stories like this. These two women, under their own volition, they hatch a plan to take care of themselves uh, through the law and through God's grace to them. And so Ruth and Boaz have a couple other interactions and eventually Ruth convinces Boaz to marry her, uh, which again is just fantastic in the context of a patriarchal society. So Ruth finally convinces Boaz to uh, marry her and Boaz goes and he makes sure that it's all lawful. He goes to the closest next of kin and he um, asks, he kind of gives first right of refusal to a closer relative. Uh, That relative uh, kind of refuses the, the offer. And so then Boaz takes in Ruth and Naomi into his household, and it's kind of this, the story uses a lot of the complex laws um, throughout it to show that this is all done properly. This is all done the way that it was supposed to be done. So Boaz, he responds to Ruth and Naomi's plan positively, and he brings them into his home. This is an incredible story, and I love how in this story, these two women This mother-in-law and daughter-in-law duo, they are active, they are actively seeking out their good and their security. And they lean on a man, they find a man who is righteous. They lean on a man and find a man who is gracious to them to execute this plan and to make sure that they're okay. And so because of their faithfulness, because of their work and their, kind of, uh, their, their dogged uh, clinging on to one another and to caring and supporting and serving one another, ultimately something wonderful happens. Ruth has a son. Up to this point, Ruth had been childless. She had been married for a while before, but they weren't able to have any children. Same thing with, the other, um, with Naomi's other son. There was no male descendant. There was nobody to protect them, but now Ruth has a son. She has a guarantee. As long as this boy reaches, to adult, reaches adulthood, she is protected by him. The Lord provides for her when things seemed very, very dark but something even more wonderful happens. Eventually, this son would beget a son who would beget a son who would beget a son all the way down to Jesus. God is faithful, faithfully using this woman, Ruth, to bring about the savior of the entire world. Who would have thought in a patriarchal society that God would guide these two women to scheme and to plan and to execute, be active in their own uh, rescue from economic stress, from social stress. God empowered these women to do this in a context where that was very difficult. And God uses this story to bring about the savior of the whole world. This is incredible, guys, and it's a great testament. Ruth and Naomi are a great testament to mothers and daughters and to women that using, um, even within the confines of their society, they are able to be active in in their faithfulness and active even in their own redemption. So the question that we're asking during this time is when a dark cloud comes, in this case, it's Ruth's husband dying and her father-in-law dying, um, or all the males in her family dying, when we have these dark moments, when we have these moments of suffering, here's the question that we ask. What will you find on the other side? So again, it's tempting for us to read the story of Ruth and to think this. Well, if I just remain faithful, God will ultimately, he, or not even maybe ultimately, but God will redeem all the bad things and he'll make them good. It's tempting to read this short little snippet this short little story in the context of the big story and think, well, if I just work hard enough, if I just remain faithful enough that God will turn all of my bad things into good things. And that's not necessarily the truth. Ultimately, that does happen. And it probably will only happen after we have died and many years after that until the Lord returns and recreates everything. This story does not teach us that our suffering ends and God gives us everything that we needed back, even though we went through suffering. That's not necessarily what we hear in this story. But what we do find on the other side of suffering is faithfulness. We find faithfulness. The primary faithfulness that we find is not our own faithfulness to God, but God's faithfulness to us. You see, the Lord is a lot like Ruth, doggedly wooing us and drawing us into his own story, drawing us into himself, just like Ruth pursued Boaz, so God pursues us. You see, Boaz in the story of Ruth is kind of hapless. He's just just kind of living his life. And yes, he does some good things. He does some proper things. He does some righteous things. But ultimately, it is not him who extends the hand of faithfulness. It's not him who extends the hand of redemption. It's Ruth pursuing Boaz that she finds redemption. And so what we find in the story of Ruth is faithfulness. God's faithfulness to us. Yes, things might be dark. Yes, we might be suffering, but through that suffering, the Lord is pursuing us. He's seeking us out and he's relentless in his pursuit. But here's the other thing that we find. We do in fact find our own faithfulness because the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us to be faithful to God to be faithful to Jesus, to be faithful to the gospel that we hear. Yes, we do find our own faithfulness, but it is from God that we have it. You see, Ruth would have never been faithful if it wasn't for Naomi's advice. Naomi can continue to instruct her and give her ideas and to support her in her own faithfulness, in her own pursuit of redemption. That's exactly what the Lord does to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us to be faithful to Him and to our neighbors. What do we find on the other side of the clouds, on the, on the, on the other side of suffering and dark things? We find faithfulness. We find God's faithfulness to us, and we find the power in the Holy Spirit. To be faithful to him. You do more work trying to fight. Trying to fight. You find more trouble trying to hide. Trying to hide.